it's not just a matter of if I can afford my own books, I don't need the library because we provide that space where people can be excited about it. You can buy a book online and, and, and get it delivered to your house, but you don't see 10 other kids all excited to be reading that same book when you do that. So it's still a lot of benefit to the space, even if you aren't in the place where you really need the service in the same way that you think others do. Welcome to Better Together with Kosti Epifonsev, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Kosti Epifonsev. Hey, y'all, it's Costa. Today, I'm here with my guest, Matt Keneally, Adult Services Coordinator and Co-Assistant Director for the Putnam County Library System. Matt has proudly served our community through the library's transformative services, programs, and materials since 2009. Today, we're talking about the library of the 21st century and reading between the lines. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. I have four kids who love going to the library, and they're always very excited to see a special guest that's in the basement. So can you share with us who that special guest is? We have lots of special guests, but I'm assuming you mean Norbert. He is our bearded dragon that lives down in the children's library. How long have you guys had him for? I think it's probably been two or three years. Yeah. Nice. He keeps getting bigger. He he seems to keep growing. I I don't know. We might need to get a bigger cage for him at some point. So, Matt, what does he eat? Well, I think his diet is mainly vegetables. He, he gets a, a dry salad of like kale and carrots and all the stuff that the staff dutifully cuts up for him. But he gets some treats. He gets some crickets and some mealworms and things like that here and there. Nice. So you can go to the library, you can check out books and you can, as we'll find out, do a various number of other things. And you can also see the bearded dragon Norbert. Absolutely. Fantastic. So Matt, what is it like working in a library in 2021? It is very different from working in a library in, say, 2019. You know, we're still working on moving back towards what is a safe way to gather people. You know, we want to be there for our community, but we want to do that in as responsible a way as we can. We're, you know, just having to kind of find a new new path for that. One of the big things with libraries is that they are a gathering place and it's a safe space that people can be without being, honestly, without being bothered. You know, there's not a lot of of places in town that you can go and just exist without having to feel like you're taking up somebody else's space, that you need to be paying money or anything Mm -hmm. like that. You can you can just kind of be there. And and that's great. We want to be that for people. But it's especially difficult when you're you know dealing with the pandemic where you don't want people necessarily all gathering in the same area. And you're kind of trying to find the right way to do that safely. I would assume that the library of old, which is, you know, the only access that people have to, you know, books or really back in the day, even computers. Computers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, before people had a personal computer in their homes, I mean, you really could only find that in a library setting. So now, how often do you see people coming in and saying, you know, well, I'm researching XYZ topic or I mean, what else do they what else does a library provide aside from just checking out books? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. For a long time, we were the only place that people could get to computers. And now a lot of people have that. We know we're carrying computers around in our in our pockets like it's no big deal. Sure. But for a lot of folks, uh, that still isn't the case. You know, they might not have a, have a computer at their home or they might not have Internet access. So we're a really great resource for that. And we see a lot of people coming in for that. As far as doing reference, doing research, there are certainly still people that are coming in for books. We still have 
plenty and plenty of, of paper books on the shelves, but we've got a lot of online resources as well. And reference in general is moving online. I mean, you, you can find books on something, but a lot of times it's going to be more comprehensive to look online. So that's sure. where being able to hit the public use computers and search a few different databases is really nice. How does a library stay relevant when everybody can just do everything, all of their research and all of their fact finding in the comfort of their own home? How does a library continue to stay on the forefront of being kind of this pinnacle of knowledge? By adapting, by changing up. You know, there was a while where we were the we were the archive. Libraries were seen as the place you could go to just to, to find this data all, all stored in one place. Uh, that's not the case anymore, which is great. It's out there and it's available for everyone, but sometimes you need help finding it, right? So there's a lot of people that come to us because we can kind of be those guides. We can kind of show them, oh, this is a really good website for this, or mm-hmm. no, here's this resource you didn't know existed. A lot of times too, it's, it's finding information that maybe is harder to search for. We get people that are either new to town or having a new situation that are needing to track down services to help them out. And we've got some staff that are really, really well trained in how to help them find uh, assistance, which is excellent. Also, it's moving from being a storage of information and more towards being a place to gather. Uh, We're becoming more of a community hub than we used to be. We give people a place to get together and just, just to spend time. We host events and programs that help people of common interests make connections. And that's becoming a much more important part of libraries. It's less about being quiet and reading your books and more about maybe making a little bit of noise and, oh, and wow. meeting people around you. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So it sounds like when you're describing sort of the general the general consensus of a library, it sounds like it's a place where people can sort of have an access point to the resources of the community. So it's not just about, you know, studying or researching for a paper. It seems like that's where people go that are maybe new to town or that need help trying to navigate all the various government programs, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was one of the things that really... Uh, it, it was an eye opener for us early uh, during lockdown. You know, you had a lot of people that were needing to file for unemployment. As far as we could tell, the only real way to file for unemployment is online. There's not a lot of paper applications for that. And if you don't have employment, there's a lot of situations where you either aren't going to have home computer access or aren't going to have home internet access. So that was something that people needed to do through the library. And we had to find a way to offer that to the community while trying to stay safe and protect our staff as, as well as the other patrons. So uh, it's been tricky, but I, I think we've really kind of threaded that needle pretty well. And we're always learning new services. There's, there's always new things that we're finding out like, hey, this is a niche where maybe we can fill this and until someone else does. You know, it's never that we're going to be the only place for this. We'll just right. be one of many places, which is great. And there's so many people around this community that don't have broadband internet. It's, it actually blows my mind that there's so many people that aren't connected to the internet in, our, in the Upper Cumberland. And so where we would, you know, say something like, you know, I don't need to go to the library. I have an internet. I have internet at home or I can order my books online, there's a lot of people that can't. Mm-hmm. And probably more than 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 the general populace knows or considers. So on that note, given all of the changes of the past decade, how do you think the library will change in the next 10 years? That requires me to be... Uh maybe more visionary than I am, but I think it will be moving more and more away from physical resources and more towards offering guidance and offering access to things, like we said, online, 
there are a lot of libraries in larger cities than ours that have already really embraced this. They have on-site social workers. They might have offices there where someone from the health department can show up and give vaccinations and give advice on things. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's great. Uh, it's it's all about finding what your community needs. So we might find out that those particular issues aren't what we need, but maybe we need on-site tutors or sure. we, we need people there giving advice on how to sign up for a driver's license or whatever it happens to be. It's just going to be learning what the community needs and putting it out there. Adapting to it. Yeah. The age old vision of the library is this big house of books is great, but that was because it was a lot harder to get books then. Right. Uh, so now that's not, that's luckily not the problem. We can yeah, all have It's not relevant anymore. Exactly. And, it, and and it's still there, you know, we, you know, people want that and we, we are that. I don't, I don't ever want to make it sound like paper's old fashioned and we're going to throw it out, but there's just a lot more that we can be and, and really that we need to be because more than anything, I think libraries get pigeonholed into being a, a variation of retail because we were sort of like a bookstore except free and that fits, but it's really more of a social service and we are there to serve the public. So in the same way that any other social service, if you evolve beyond that as a community, we need to figure out how to serve you better. I love that. And on the note of social services, I got to ask you a COVID question if that's okay. Absolutely. All right. So our educational system is still struggling tremendously to pick up the pieces of time that's been missed from school and children that have been learning virtually. What role does the library play in literacy and helping students bridge the gap between the time they have lost due to COVID? I'd say the, the biggest role is just, again, by providing those materials. For children is definitely one of the areas where the, the paper book is still very, very relevant. You know, your, your kid, you don't necessarily want them on the iPad that much more. You don't right. want them handling any reader. So that's where we, we really, we see a lot of people coming in and check out our children books, which is excellent. That's what they're there for. So by having as much there to interest children as we can, we're able to help with that by making sure we've got a diverse collection that speaks to every group in our community. We we help people find that by giving encouragement. Uh, we've got a really, really dedicated staff that know how to give recommendations. You'll sure. get, you get reluctant readers in there that, well, I don't, I don't really like to read. Oh, okay. You, you don't like to hear stories about adventure. Oh no, I lo- love that. Well, turn out we can we can go find that and so you can help them find those those kind of stepping stones that will lead them to being more avid readers and also providing little incentives you know we do our our summer reading program uh every year and we did it over the these past several months that encourages people to read encourages them to track their reading try to stop that summer slide and give them something to do in the free time outside of school uh, this year we were able to expand that even larger than than usual we partnered with save the children and uh, went from normally we have about a five to six week summer reading program. This year it was 100 days of reading and we're actually still in the process of doing it. And that's something that we we encourage for children, for teenagers, for adults, for just everyone. The more more you get people passionate about reading, the more people are going to see that and think, oh, reading something I should be doing. Have you seen a rise in how many people frequent the Putnam County Library over the last maybe year or two? No, we have not. It's it's definitely been a decrease. Okay. I mean, the last last couple of years certainly was a decrease because of lockdown downs because of health concerns. We have seen a rise in access to our digital materials. Absolutely. We offer access to Newsbank, which is an online database of newspapers that has gone up quite a bit. Uh, There's the Reads system, which is a statewide electronic book system. And I I think um, my wife, she uses the the audiobooks where she has access to audiobooks for free. Normally, I mean, she reads a lot. Um, Normally, she 
has to spend, you know, 20 to $25 for an audiobook. And I think a lot of listeners probably don't know this, but the library does offer audiobooks like it does, you know, physical books. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we, we saw we saw a big rise in that. Yeah, that's through the read system. You can get both uh, ebooks and audiobooks through that and they go straight to your device. It's great. Th- those services went up. People wanting to come in and spend a lot of time in the library went understandably down. And even though there are much less restrictions right now, we're still seeing a lot of reluctance and that's understandable, you know, and, that, and that's where it's important for us to find a way to rise up to meet whatever the community needs. Is it by making them feel more comfortable in our physical space? Is it by offering alternatives for ways to get what they need without having to come in? Sure. Uh, and, and we've been doing a lot of that. You know, we offer curbside service. We've been doing a lot of over the phone tech support and things like that. It, it's it's a constantly kind of it's, it's kind of lumberjacks on a rolling log. You just got to keep <laughs> keep keep running and keep yourself on top. Sure. of Sure. You know, it's interesting, all of the things that you guys have been doing to increase engagement. Uh, one of the slumber parties that you guys have for the kids, you know, where they get to bring in their stuffed animals and then they'll stay the night at the library and they'll take pictures of them doing various things at the library and send it to your phone and then you can show the kids. I mean, that's that's a very ingenious way of because here's the thing. I think you and I are both on the same page when it comes to the library being a place for research. As much as we want it to be that, it's probably not ever going to get back to that point unless it's a very concentrated topic and they need kind of access to the geniuses that work in the library setting, right? Sure. Well, and you got to remember, we've got other libraries in Cookville. TTU has an excellent academic library. That's a great place to do research. But as a public library, we're more of a a popular materials space. And and also from what what you've been saying, kind of a social services, like an access point for social services. And so on top of all of that, it's gaining, it's giving outreach to children who can understand what a public library is, which I think maybe in the 2000s, we were so indoctrinated into this informational technological revolution that we forgot that libraries existed. And now we're kind of coming back around to saying, I don't know if putting our kids in front of iPads is the best route to take. Maybe we should tell them what a library is and let them kind of figure that out again, because it's better than sitting at home on the couch with your iPad, right? Yeah, absolutely. When we talk about the good that libraries can do, a lot of times there's a lot of focus on people that have less advantages, have less resources, have less income, and how we're able to help them. And yes, absolutely, that is why we're here. But it's not just a matter of if I can afford my own books, I don't need the library because we provide that space where people can be excited about it. You can buy a book online and, and, and get it delivered to your house, but you don't see 10 other kids all excited to be reading that same book when you do that. So it's still a lot of benefit to the space, even if you aren't in the place where you really need the service in the same way that you think others do. Yeah. And you've worked there since what, 2009, right? Uh, yeah. So over 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Doing this for as long as you have, you know, what's something or one thing that you wish more people would know about the library? I think it would be how much we uh, want people to just to be there. I think we've been that way the entire time, but I've seen it grow even over the last several years. We've got public meeting rooms that people can use for free to get together large groups. And, you know, it can be anything from hosting a a business meeting Mm -hmm. to running a Dungeons and Dragons game. Like you can do whatever you need to do over there. We've got study rooms for small groups to get together to study, but they can also get together to have a conversation and just have a kind of a a little space to themselves that's maybe not, 
you know, you don't have to vacuum and clean your house to go sit and chat with a friend. We've got great open reading areas. We've added booths and benches and all sorts of, of seating so that we can give people a place to get together. And that's that's something that definitely has been trickier in the last couple of years, but is really exciting. Uh, and I, I think too many people see the library as a transactional experience. You come, you get what you want, you leave. And that's great if that's what you need from us, but we're able to be a hangout too. Yeah, for sure. What was it like when you were, you know, March of 2020 and you I'm sure you've invested, you know, the, the employees and the city has invested in, in considerable amount of resources into developing that type of environment within the library. What was the emotional toll when March 2020 happened and the world kind of changed and everything that you guys were expecting to happen over the course of the next, you know, four or five years probably got put like on a big hold? It was difficult. So an upside to that was we had actually just been going through the process of doing some renovations and purchasing some new furniture and displays and all these things. They started rolling in right around March, April, May. So uh, we were, for the most part, locked down during that period. And so we were able to put everything together and get it in place so it all showed up at once, which was kind of nice, as opposed to just having a new shelf here and a new right. bench there. But it was really, it's still very tricky because it is a service job. We are there to be providing service to people, but we're at a time when you don't necessarily always feel really safe around people you don't know. And it's hard to encourage the community to come gather. And it's hard to have staff that want to necessarily have the same enthusiasm for seeing everyone all just streaming in the door the way we used to. And finding, again, it it comes from, you you want to find a place where you you feel like you're doing that responsibly, but we're we're still, you know, we're still not back there with a lot of like the in-person programming. We're doing lots of virtual programming. We've got a virtual story time that goes on YouTube every week. It's great. Uh, we've got all sorts of things that are, are going on online, but it's it's a slower rollout to get people gathering together in groups. And I know for myself, that was a large part of my job that turns out I really miss. Uh, I like ordering books and I, I like, you know, helping solve problems, but I also really like getting together with seven or eight people to run a book club or sure. finding out that, oh, this, this chunk of the community, they want a knitting group. Okay, look, cool. Let's start a knitting group or we're going to have a board game night or whatever they're, they're into. That stuff's great. And, and we're still working on finding the way to do that properly. You know, I've been doing this podcast for a couple months now. And one of the common themes that I see pop up is when, it, when people are talking about business or social organizations, whatever it might be. It's trying to find balance in this new world. I think a lot of us didn't realize just how much we enjoyed people. And I'm sure there are some that don't, but for the most part, there's so many that, that enjoy the company of others and the, the, the ideas that you get to discuss, you know. And we have, we've been trying to find our way back, I think, for you know almost two years now. And one of the things that a lot of businesses are doing, including my business, including the Putnam County Libra- Library, is to find balance. How can you bring 2019 back into people's minds? How can you make them feel comfortable again? But at the same time, you know, you can't, like you said, have 200 people in the library. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's tricky. And when I hear people talking about this, one of the things that I relate to, and I understand their, their concern, but I think the perspective maybe isn't always right where it needs to be. We talk a lot about, well, this is what we want. You know, we want people together. We want to have our kids all playing in a big group. We want to be, have this facility. We, we don't like having to acknowledge the pandemic. Right. And I agree with that. I, we, we don't like that 
at all. But that doesn't mean that that's necessarily the responsible decision is not to still acknowledge it. You know, yeah, we're going to have to deal with this a little bit longer and hopefully not too much longer, but not liking something doesn't make it go away. And so we really have to lean into finding the stamina to keep going a little bit longer and keep finding those creative solutions. I see many less jokes about Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and people having online game groups. Maybe do a few more of those and still find that way to have fun with a group. And yeah, you can't hug and handshake, but it doesn't mean we can't still kind of enjoy each other's company. I think at first it was like kind of like this cool new thing that people laughed about, but they also tried to take seriously. And now, you know, especially after we went to that dip in the summertime when COVID wasn't as prevalent as it is right now. uh, And now people are like, oh, no, we're not going back to the office. Sorry, I'm not going to see you again till January. So have a great holiday season. And now I think people are almost resenting the the whole Zoom experience. I think so. And I understand that. I respect it. But uh, gosh, it's better than the alternative. Absolutely. 100%. And so with that being said, how does something like the Putnam County Library, how does it get funded? And how did the pandemic affect the funding that you were, you know, slated to receive if it did? Uh, Sure. Well, we're an interesting funding situation because we are a county library system. So we get the brunt of our money from the county, but we also have four branches in Cookville, Allgood, Baxter, and Monterey. So we also receive city funding. On top of that, there's state money, federal money, things like that, grants. So a, a lot of money comes in from a lot of different public sources. One of the myths about the library is that late fees and fines are a super important part to paying our paychecks that they very much aren't. They're a very, very small chunk of our budget. And for the majority of the pandemic, we were not charging fees at all and still still managed to, to really make everything work out. So to answer you, we, we, we get our money from a lot of different taxpayers, which is why you know we are a free library in some ways, but really we're paid for by the people in this community. Right. Right? They're paying for this library to exist and they need to be making sure they're you know really taking advantage of it and using using the services they're paying for. And on that note, that's probably why you're even more open to offering these social services to the communities if they if they need it. You know, and obviously you guys are like you're not at the health department. You're not um, you, you have a connection to so many disciplines, I guess you could say. Plus, you guys are librarians. So I'm assuming all of you are, you know, at least have a high Q, an IQ in the, you know, 100 plus 200s. We don't make that part of the application <laughs> process. So I don't, I don't have you know, records, but I would say, yeah, we're all pretty smart. So taxpayers, um, assuming property taxes, do you guys get any like federal dollars? I mean, grants or anything? Yeah, there is some money that comes in like that. Uh, I don't, I don't have all that in front of me, but as far as like what we really budget for a year, it is going to be for the most part from the county level down. And a lot of it is property tax. That's why we we really focus on what are the needs of our county. You You can come into the library from anywhere and you can use the internet, you can get on a public computer, you can have a safe, warm, fun place to be for the day. And and we fully encourage that. The only thing you really need a library card for is to take things home with you. So we're there for everyone. And and that's something I don't, I don't know if you've ever had to do it, but when you're traveling and you need internet or you you need somewhere to spend the afternoon, I've popped into many public libraries that I've, I've never given a dime to, but it's a good thing to have out there. Did the pandemic affect any funding sources that you had? Not to my knowledge, okay. not, not on a, not on a large scale. It, it affected how we move forward with some things. You know, we've always, we've got five year plans and ten year plans. 
and there's goals that we want, the ways we want to expand. We definitely got more conservative with that. We reined it, everything in and made sure that we weren't being wasteful with money. Right. Of course, we're never wanting to be wasteful with money, but we were really just kind of focused on what the people need here and now. That has to be extremely difficult because you're trying to prepare for an unknown. I know exactly what you mean in terms of paring down those five and 10 year plans because you don't know if, you know, there may be an escalation in cases and maybe even if there is like a variant or anything that may become a little bit more pervasive than the current variant, not just in infections, but also in hospitalizations and death. And I don't want to make this sound political, nor do I want to talk about COVID on all of this. I'm just saying every business that provides a service and acts as a kind of a community organization is probably very, very concerned with what the future holds. And so no one's pulling any triggers on any, you know, big projects um, of expansion, et cetera. We were really fortunate that we've got county leadership and we've got city leadership that made it really clear that, yes, this is a rough time and we're we're having to figure a lot of things out, but having a public library is a priority. And they really made it clear to us that they wanted us here and that they were supporting us. And that was greatly appreciated. That made that a lot easier. What are some of the goals that you have for the library in the upcoming year? So some of it is a, is a treading water situation, right? You just, we got we to gotta keep going with where we're at. We got to make sure we're still offering everything we, we've got right now. And and we seem to be doing that very well. So as far as how we want to expand out, you know, of course, we want to bring back more in-person programming as, as we can find ways to do that safely. We, we've really been doing a lot to expand some of our non-traditional items. We're a library. We've got books. Okay, we've got you covered <laughs> there. We've got audiobooks on CD. We've got DVDs. We've got magazines. Those are the things you expect from us. But we also have a lot of resources resources people don't really know about, and we've been trying to make sure we expand those. Uh, one of the big ones is we've got hotspots that provide free internet, nice. and we've got Chromebooks that you can check out. So you combine the two of those, and you went from having a household that maybe didn't have internet access, didn't have computer access to now for a couple of weeks you do. So we definitely want to keep expanding that. So that's something that it's certainly in high demand. We want to make sure we're meeting that demand to the point that if you find yourself needing this, you can always find it as opposed to having to get on a waiting list or anything like that. Excellent. Uh, we also keep branching out into other other areas. We've, we've got a, a big board game collection. There are a lot of people that wanted to pick up a board game and play those at, at home. So so we've added that. We've got telescopes. That's one of the ones that we added those a few years ago. We've only got a few of them and it's not something that people think, oh, let's go to the library and get a telescope. Yeah. But turns out you can do that. So, wow. Yeah. That's very impressive. We just want to keep kind of diversifying what, what we're offering and make sure that we've kind of got a little bit of something for everybody. Very good. So Matt, thank you so much for joining me. We always like to end the show on a high note. Can you tell us one person that makes you better when you're together? I can, but it'll have to be a tie. It's my my niece and nephew, James and Cooper. When they come in to visit me probably once a week at the library, I'm definitely better when I'm together with them. I I enjoy showing them around, letting them see all the the cool things we've got, helping them find books, helping them pursue their interests and just kind of see the growing excitement they've got for, for reading. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonsev. If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsev is a Costa Yepafonsev production. Writing and production by Morgan Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsev.com. We're better together.